Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode number 288, dedicated to a man who on October 9th, 1915, became the first U.S. president to attend a World Series game. Mr. Woodrow Wilson, and as always, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast during today's episode we will discuss the indianapolis colts signing jonathan taylor to a four-year contract extension and what in the world happened to the miami hurricanes but first your boy is back been away for a while had to deal with some stuff but the podcast is back we are currently trying to find ways find different avenues for people to enjoy this podcast on a weekly basis. Yes, the audio feed is still going to be happening like it has been, but there's a good chance every episode will be on YouTube as well. Just got to sit back, relax, try to figure out some things before moving forward with the audio and video portion each week of the Jay Stevens podcast. Recently, it was announced, well, Joel Embiid announced, that he would play for... Team USA in the 2024 Olympics. This past year, we saw Team USA that was compiled and put together for the 2023 FIBA Men's World Cup. And I saw the team, didn't really watch many games that they played, but the team that was put together was not, and I know this is easy easy to say, was not the best unit that could have been put together of NBA players to play on the world stage. Now, the World Cup, the FIBA World Cup, doesn't get a lot of players that are going to be or that are the best to play in it. We understand sometimes the best only come out every four years. This time, it'll be three years since the last Olympics, since the Olympics was canceled in 2020. The 2020 Olympics were actually played in 2021. So there's three years in between Olympic Games. And Joel Embiid playing in the Olympics is huge. Absolutely huge. You get one of the best big men in the game to commit to say, hey, a year out, I am going to play for Team USA. That's a great recruiting tool. I know we don't normally say recruiting when it comes to the NBA or for the Olympics, but that's a huge recruiting tool that not a lot of countries have to say, a guy who is one of the best big men, not just in the NBA, but in the world is going to play for Team USA. Who else should want to play on that team? Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, and others. Why? Because this is what you want to do. You want to put the best talent together to play for Team USA. And one of the best things about the NBA now is a lot of the homegrown talent is still there and it's great. But also you have so many foreigners coming to the National Basketball Association. Notice I didn't say Luka Doncic or Nikola Jokic. Why? They're foreigners. They're not going to play for Team USA. And so you have so many guys that are from different countries who are coming to America to play in the NBA. But when it comes to the World Cup or when it comes to the Olympics, they play for their home country, this will truly be a test to see how the USA stacks up against the rest of the country, uh, rest of the world. Now, I also realize, I do believe, this is is USA, this is basketball. We invented the sport. 
You should not go out there if you're Team USA and get embarrassed by anybody. doesn't matter who it is. You should not get embarrassed. And so when it comes to Joel Embiid being out there, that is great. The last time Team USA was put together, there were some of these stars that were on this team. Bam out of Bayou, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Jeremy Grant, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday. Some of these guys should not have been on Team USA because, well, they were not some of the best talent in the NBA. But honestly, I understand why. If some of the big names don't want to play, you got to find other guys to fill in the roster. LeBron? Will LeBron play next year? I hope so. I truly hope he does. Imagine LeBron playing on the world stage when the FIBA rules and all of those things that go in there. Man, I would want LeBron on my team. I would want Embiid. I would want KD. I would want D-Book. I would want Steph. I'd want... You might not want Clay anymore. I think Clay and that brand of basketball would be great. You may not want Draymond Green anymore. Cool. Give me Jason Tatum. Like, there's so much talent here in the NBA, excuse me, in America. That's homegrown talent. That when it comes to that level of basketball, comparing and um, putting yourself to the test uh, compared to other countries to see what they do on the hardwood, man, USA should win gold every year in the World Cup, in the Olympics. Does not matter. And having Embiid say right now, heading into the start of another NBA season, that he is going to play for Team USA, I'm here for it. But also, this recruiting tool that he is doing right now is great. First, it's amazing that he's able to, being someone who was not born in the USA. But then number two is huge. Because now the recruiting can start. Now the coaches can know, hey, we already know we got the best talent, one of the best big men that's, available to play for us how about we get the best point guard and shooting guard and small forward and power forward and how we get the how, how about we get the second best at all those positions Whew, whee. I hope everybody else knows what's coming to them if this if team USA is stockpiled with all the best talent in America because if they don't <laughs> they might get hit like Shaquille O'Neal hit people with his spin move on the baseline because you don't know what's going to happen when it hits you. Man, I am here for it. I don't watch enough NBA. You got to get back to it. And you know what? One thing I'm going to do when I get back to watching more basketball from the association is watching Joel Embiid. Because he's a lot of fun to watch. He's talented. He can, do just, he can do just about anything he wants to on the basketball court. And seeing him wear USA on his chest, whoo, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that next year in the Olympics. Let's go ahead and take a trip to Indianapolis, Indiana, because the Colts just signed Jonathan Taylor to a contract extension. This is something I did not think we would get at this point of the season, but we did. When it came to the Indianapolis Colts and Jonathan Taylor coming to an agreement for a contract extension, it was something that I thought would wait until later in the season or maybe even in the offseason for the two sides to agree. Before the season started, there were some comments made by Taylor's agent that really seemed a little odd, saying that, hey, one side kind of ruined the relationship for the other. I don't exactly think that was completely true with the agreement being made for a contract extension, but maybe at that time that that was felt partially by one side or the other. I don't know. Also, what else did we find? We found that Taylor in training camp seemed a little disgruntled, seemed unhappy. 
Was it because of what came out of the things that were said when Taylor and Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, met in Ursay's luxury bus, was maybe an RV bus or whatever, during training camp? Maybe some things that were said in that meeting were not things that Taylor was comfortable with. I, I don't know. I, uh, Taylor was on the physically unable to perform list during training camp and also at the beginning of the season. This is also, what, eight, nine months removed from an a surgery to an injury that should have taken four to six weeks to recover from. So there were so many angles to this extension being uh, agreed upon right now that makes it even uh, even an odder story, maybe an even better ending than maybe it could have been if this came in the halfway point of the season or the end of the season or maybe in the off season. The Colts and Jonathan Taylor agreed to a three-year $42 million contract extension that includes $26.5 million that are guaranteed. When it comes to running backs in the NFL that are trying to get paid, trying to get that bag, what do we find? A lot of them have to do a franchise tag. I think one running back in the offseason, um, Saquon Barkley, there were some others that, that got less money that maybe they were seeking to find. They don't really get the three or the four or the five-year contract extension because of how running backs are viewed in the NFL. It's one of those positions, due to the wear and tear, and due to things being very hard for running backs once they get past their initial contract, it's really, really, really difficult for a running back to stay with one team for his entire career. And if he does, you're probably not going to get the amount of money that you would be seeking because of the position that you play. Jonathan Taylor is a phenomenal running back. In his first game back this past week, he had six carries, 18 yards, three yards a pop. It's also in a game when um, backup running back Zach Moss just went off. 23 carries, 165 yards on the ground, 7.2 yards a pop, two touchdowns. He also added in two carry, two catches to receptions, 30 receiving yards in this game. I'm sitting here thinking like, man, this is a wild game for Taylor to come back in because your backup is playing phenomenal. And even though you got that contract extension, it kind of shows that maybe, just maybe, the guy who is your backup can help the team in a way that you can, and maybe it's lessening your value to the team. But I'm glad, for Taylor's sake, just to be honest with you, that Taylor signed that contract prior to that game because that may have lessened the amount of money that he was going to get also. I'm sure Taylor wanted a four- or five-year contract extension. I, I, I'm not naive enough to say he would not seek that. Why? Because it would make a whole lot of sense. You've done some phenomenal things for the Indianapolis Colts. Unfortunately, in his third year last year, he ended up getting hurt and did not um, eclipse the 1,000-yard mark for the first time in his career. Also had single-digit rushing touchdowns for the first time in his career. So there's a lot of things that went into Jonathan Taylor's performance and um, lack of numbers that he put up a year ago. I'm happy for him, man. I am so happy. And as a Colts fan, 
I've been waiting, waiting, waiting the entire show to bring that back out. I know I've been doing a lot of Colts coverage this year, and that's not going to change. Anthony Richardson goes down with a shoulder injury over the weekend. I saw one of my buddies that I went to high school with on Facebook saying, oh, man, not another RG3. RG3 is talented. There are NFL teams that are still trying to get RG3 to leave the broadcast booth and leave the in a, the studios there um, at ESPN to come back to the NFL to play. And I don't know if RG3 is going to do that. I think he has a really good gig um, going on right now with his coverage of the NFL and of college football. But I also, I'm also not going to say that Anthony Richardson is another RG3 because I think RG3 was athletic in a way that Richardson is not. Anthony Richardson is a freak of nature. Uh, RG3 is as well. I think RG3 is a better thrower of the football. Um, all of those things are true about RG3. I, was a bit, I, was, I wasn't as big an RG3 fan back when he played at Baylor when he came to the NFL, was rookie of the year. I, I was not as big of a fan of him back then. My, The longer I watch football, the more football I watch, the greater appreciation I have for players that played 10. 15, 20 years ago, or maybe a guy in the NBA in Steph Curry. I have a greater appreciation for Steph Curry now than I did five years ago because I realize, I realize what he's doing is special and rare, but the further we get away from it, it's even more special and more rare um, to me in those moments. So that does go into how I view players after the fact. And so uh, while it's on my mind, I really wonder how I'm going to view LeBron James once he retires five, 10, 15 years away. I, I truly wonder. I, I have no idea how I view LeBron James. I know that um, LeBron is a phenomenal basketball player. He has a lot of stats, has a lot of numbers, uh, ha- has accomplished a lot of things, has records in the National Basketball Association, um, still is the face of the NBA. If you want to say it, Steph, cool. I think LeBron's face is more recognizable and still is more of a guy that you would say, hey, he is the face. I don't think it's Tatum. I I not Steph. I don't think it's KD. I, I still think it's LeBron James is the face of the NBA. And that's something that he's held for over a decade at 10 plus years. Some people can even say, some say 20 years, bro. Look, <laughs> that's, that's a smack in the face to Jordan because Jordan just got out the league. Um, I believe that Jordan got out the league in, in, um, that year that LeBron entered the NBA. It's a smack in the face to Kobe, smack in the face to Shaq, smack in the, smack in the face to a lot of people. So, I'm not going to say it's been over, it's been 20 years, but I will say this. LeBron, I will have a greater appreciation for LeBron James 10 years removed from him retiring from the NBA that I currently have right now when he is the oldest player in the NBA. I didn't expect to talk to, to talk this much basketball, even in the second segment of this show, because I just don't do it. I've been just so in engulfed and so entrenched in football, 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 football all fall that all of a sudden when I see NBA media days and college basketballs having their media days uh, for different conferences and different teams and women's college basketballs having their media days as well. And I'm like, man, you mean my two favorite sports are about to collide and intertwine themselves for the start of the NBA season and the start of college basketball and the women's college basketball. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So there will be more basketball coverage, basketball conversations here on this show. I just wasn't expecting it here today. For Jonathan Taylor, just let's take this time to get back to the topic at hand. Jonathan Taylor in 2021 had over 330 carries, had over 1,800 rushing yards, had 18 rushing touchdowns. That's insane. What what else did he add? 
what else did he add? No, excuse me. Let me get the numbers correct. In receiving, there we go. What else did he add in the receiving game that year? 40 receptions, 360 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, over 2,000 yards on scrimmage, and, <laughs> oh my gosh, over 20 touchdowns responsible for in that season. This man was insane, which also goes into why he believes he deserves a contract extension, but you have two years that are over 1,000 rushing yards, which is still great. It's huge. Rookie year, second year in the season. I, I didn't think he would get this much money due to the injury last year. And due to his inability to practice and his absence so far, who's to say that when he plays this year and he gets maybe gets a starting role back, who's to say that he'll come out and rush for 100 yards in three or four or five straight games? Who's to say that? Who's to say he's going to return to his form that he had during his second year in the NFL? Who's to say that a backup coming in at a lesser value is not the proper move for the salary cap and for the future financially of the Indianapolis Colts? I don't know. As a fan, I am glad that he's back with the Colts. Extremely glad. But from a front office point of view, I understand why it took this long to come to this agreement. Also, I would not be shocked if at the end of this three years, there's not another extension handed out. Why? To save money. Jim Irsay knows, and Jim Irsay's reminded of another phenomenal electric running back named Edron James. The Colts drafted him. The Colts moved on from Marshall Falk, brought in Edron James. He already had Marvin Harrison, had Peyton Manning. Some call him P Money. And what do you find? You find that Edron James was phenomenal. But what also was one thing that went into the Colts letting or not re-signing Edron James? An ACL injury. Edron James was, was considered one of the best running backs in the NFL at that time. But ultimately an ACL injury and also the extension and the money and the value of James to the Colts was a big reason why they went from Edron James to Joseph Adai. What the biggest Joseph Adai fan? Also, once again, I have a great appreciation for Joseph Adai, uh, 10 plus years away from him being with the Colts than I did when he was with the Indianapolis Colts back then. So Jim Mercer realizes, hey, man, like, you're not Edron James. Well, last time we had a guy that was this good, got hurt, never came back, and his value tanked for us. Hope that's not the same thing for Taylor. Hope it's not the same thing for Ursay and the Colts. But I understand, and I would have understood if it if an extension did not was not agreed upon by both parties. But it was. I'm happy. I'm excited. I love what we see here, and I can't wait to see Taylor tote the rock for the Indianapolis Colts. One thing that we witnessed over the weekend, we witnessed Jonathan Taylor return to the Indianapolis Colts in a backup role and played for the first time this season. Over the weekend, a day before Taylor's return, not even 24 hours prior to Taylor's return to the field, we saw the Miami Hurricanes completely mess up and make themselves look foolish. Uh, they witnessed poor coaching. They witnessed uh, bad ball security. And we saw the Miami Hurricanes lose their first game of the season. And it happened in a point in the game where one fumble, one poor play would mess things up. The Miami Hurricanes 
They were up 20-17 to 17 over the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Miami was home. It was on ACC Network in prime time. One of the odd things about this game or about this broadcast was not something that happened on the field as odd as what we're going to talk about is the ACC Network has Stephen A. Smith on ACC Huddle prior to the start of the game. Now, I don't watch a lot of the ACC Network. I don't watch a lot of uh, um, the primetime games on the ACC. So I, I, I may be naive to this. Maybe it's more ignorant might be the right word. Whatever the word is, I don't really watch a lot of it. But I don't think Stephen A. Smith on ACC football, Miami, and Georgia Tech is something that I am going to see. That's what we saw. And, of course, he had to do his Stevens hate list. And he linked the five greatest Miami Hurricanes of all time. Uh, Sean Taylor was on there. Warren Sapp was on. I think it was five. I think five was Sean Taylor. Four was Warren Sapp. Three. No, four was five Sean Taylor. This is all from memory, guys. Five Sean Taylor. Four Ed Reed. Three Warren Sapp. Two Michael Irvin. And number one was Ray Lewis. All guys that played in the 90s, I think one of them may have trickled into the early 2000s in Sean Taylor, um, but most of them played in the mid to late 90s. And what did I, what was the, my biggest takeaway? Man, I didn't know Warren Sapp was that cold. Now, I know Warren Sapp was good, um, for Pro Football Hall of Famer. If he's not in the College Football Hall of Fame, he should be. Uh, I know him. I'm pretty sure he his number or something was retired by, by the Miami Hurricanes because that brother was a dog but man some of those highlights even supersede the the wild numbers I think he had 19 and a half sacks as a D tackle in three seasons I think he also had um was 176 tackles once 176 tackles as a deep tackle in three seasons that's those are stupid numbers those are insane numbers and so I think about Warren Sapp I didn't realize he was that cold but I understand Stephen A. had to put his boy Michael Irvin in the top five, number two, uh, number one being Ray Lewis, and Ray Lewis was a dog in and of his own right. I mean, <laughs> the Hurricanes, Brett, were just dogs, man. They're really good on the football field. But also, <laughs> I wish some of that dog mentality came out <laughs> on third and ten late in this game. The Miami Hurricanes, all they have to do due to the game situation, they're up three. Less than 40 seconds left on the clock. What do you have to do? Snap the ball and take a knee. A 40-second clock will be put back on the game clock. Reset that thing. Game over. Miami decides to run the ball. I'm going to read this directly from an app so you can get exactly word for word um, what's going on. Cheney rushed to the Georgia Tech 26 yard line for four yards. Cheney fumbles, forced by Moala. Fumble recovered by Georgia Tech's Kennard at the Georgia Tech 30 yard line. The next thing you know, Georgia Tech has the ball on offense. Four plays later, Georgia Tech scores. They go up 23 to 20. The extra point two minute conversion was no good. So it's 20. Three to 20. And a game that Miami should have lost. Excuse me. A game that Miami should have won was lost because of poor coaching 
and poor ball security. What do you find all the time in sports? Coaches preach numerous things, but one of them being, hey, if you got the ball, hold on to it. It's all you got. You're trying to move in. You're trying to score. You're trying to keep the ball on in your hands so your team has a better chance of scoring, fumble snaps, um, ball slipping out of your hands in wet or, ra- or rainy or snowy conditions, whatever it might be, find a way to secure the rock. And it's not just the poor coaching of Miami. It's also the poor ball security that went into Georgia Tech having a chance to win the game in the final 35 seconds of the game. They do that, and then the next thing you know, Miami loses the game. I almost wanted to say what happened in Coral Gables, but I realized this game was not played in Coral Gables, Florida. It's played in Miami in Hard Rock Stadium, where the Miami Hurricanes play their game, which goes into another can of worms that I wasn't expecting to go into today. But what do we find? We saw it, we see a team that plays 30-plus minutes away from campus, which I really hope down the road they find a way to get that stadium back and for them to, them to play closer to campus. It's just better for the school, better for the players, better for everybody involved. Miami Hurricanes, 4-1 now in the season, a team that I thought was going to make some noise and still can make some noise in the ACC. Man, if they want to make some noise and have a chance to win the conference, they better fix some of their late-game coaching because if not, poor ball security, poor coaching is a great formula for the Hurricanes to not win the ACC championship this year. Guys, it's good to be back. We'll be continuing this for a long time going forward. This is episode 288. I might try to do something special for the 300th episode. Also trying to find a way, and I know there is a way, but trying to find the right time and got to secure one more thing before um, every episode is live on the YouTube. You can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at jstevens07. You can send all of your emails to jstevens pod at gmail.com this has been episode 288 of the jc was podcast i'll see you next time